This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. Hey, stay locked in with your favorite lesbian on Black Radical Queer. Yeah. Hey y'all, this is Javi Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Before diving into this episode, I want to take a moment to tell y'all about Black Radical Queer on Patreon. Patreon is a great way to support the podcast because those contributions help to offset the cost of making this thing happen. So production costs, editing costs, hosting fees, All of the funds from the Patreon go towards supporting that and keeping this podcast moving right on along. Also, there's perks to becoming a patron because you get early access to the episodes and you also get a discount on all BRQ merch. So it's a great way to support. I appreciate my current patrons. And if you want to become a patron, you can do so by going to patreon.com. So Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Black Rat Queer. B-O-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get into this episode. Hey, y'all. This is Shavi Nicole. Welcome to another episode of Black Radical Queer Podcast. This is the first episode of season four. Um, After having a much-needed hiatus, (laughs) I wanted to come back and do an episode at this time because there's just a lot going on, and I just felt like it would be timely, and it was overdue. And I started to get messages from y'all asking when I was going to <laughs> do another episode and like when is the next season starting so you know I guess folks have called up by now because initially nobody was concerned well I won't say it like that but but based on the stats I guess folks are all caught up and now they're like all right so what's up with these episodes up so that's what we're here for so I'm live on Instagram right now I also have the video and then we'll have the audio so for those who are listening to the regular you know, episode, then you'll be hearing this on Juneteenth, which is June 19th. It's not my usual day, um, but I just wanted to release the episode on that day because it'll be the two-year anniversary of the podcast, and it's Juneteenth, so I felt like it would be appropriate. But for those who are on the BRQ Instagram, they're able to see it live, so they'll be ahead of the, ahead of the game. And for those who are um, patrons, they'll be able to have access to the video playback at any time. They'll get access to the link. Um, It won't be listed. So it'll only go directly to those folks who are patrons and they'll be able to go back and listen. So they'll be ahead of everybody else by about a week. Yeah. And then everybody else will get it when it comes out on Juneteenth. So if you want to be able to have early access to the episodes. Patrons will always have early access. I won't go live every time. I'm just doing this for now. But moving forward for like the rest of the episodes, the patrons, they'll be the ones who will be able to see it live. They'll be the only ones who have access to it. And then everybody else will just get it on the normal days it drops. Was It's still going to be Wednesdays. So yeah. So I have my wife Courtney here with me. For folks who have been listening for a while, y'all already know who she is. But I do have new listeners because I've had some promotion kind of happen recently, which I'm grateful for. So I've noticed, you know, there've been more followers on Instagram. There've been um, people joining the Facebook discussion group and people contacting me. So go ahead and like introduce yourself beyond just saying 
my name is Courtney. In Espanol, because so, I know you have a wide audience. So. so that folks will know who you are, and then we'll get into our conversation. Once again, my name is Courtney, aka Coco, Cocaine Coco, the people's champ. Um, you know, me llamo Courtney. <laughs> Just keep saying that. Huh? Uh, I'm learning Spanish right now, so yeah, thank you. Um, I'm Javia's wife. We've been married now for two years. She's blessed in that way. Um, we've been together for eight and a half years yeah, at this point. She's, she's blessed in that way. <laughs> yeah, she's gotten to be with me for this long. We've been together eight and a half years at this point. What else about me? I'm cool, calm, and collected. Little ratchet. That's a throwback phrase. Yeah. Um, That's like a throwback football phase. Like phase. dating, like dating phrase, like um, dating app. My birthday know, is yeah, June seventeenth. So anyway, you know? my birthday is June seventeenth. So if you want to bless her by blessing me, that works. Um, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. I'll be thirty-one. So I'm officially extra grown. I will be. What else about me? I don't know. I hate talking about myself. You know this. Okay. Well, I went to college and I have two right, dogs. That's enough. <laughs> that's Damn. Enough. <laughs> it shut me down. You just said, oh, I don't want to talk about myself. I'm like, all right, then. You don't have to keep talking about yourself. All right. You shut me down. All right. So this is, I don't know, day 7062 or something of quarantine. So the last time we did episode, okay, so the last um, episode that I put out normally, like, via Lipson and it went out to all the platforms was in March. And then I did basically a live season finale on my birthday, which was April 2nd. So those who were on that live, I went live on Facebook, then they got to kind of, you know, just hang out with us. And we were talking for a little minute about quarantine stuff at that point. But at that point, it had only, it had been less than a month <laughs> that, you know, since mm-hmm. we had sh- transitioned into quarantine or whatever. At this point, it's June. And so we're, what, three months? Yeah, three months into this thing. So it's, a lot has taken place. Right now, coronavirus is kind of like less at the forefront, but it's still very real. And we're still very much in the house. (laughs) Yes. Not the same for everybody. And I understand some folks' reasons, you know, for being out and about and all that kind of stuff. And some places are just reopening. So it just kind of is what it is. But not um, some places, the whole country well, yeah. just reopened. Like it's over. Yeah. And well, then, really they just gave up. That's what it just kind of feels like. They just gave up. So and your boy Trump um, was like, you know, if we get a second wave, we ain't shutting none down. Well, we never got through the first wave. Honestly, we're still in the first wave. But so. he's just like, Yeah, so we ain't shutting none down. I'm like, typical. Mm-hmm. What's going on, on the on the live? Nothing. Oh. So yeah, there's that. So anyway, um, we are coming back to basically kind of do another quarantine check-in. For those who've been listening for a while, you know, I like to do my kind of social media or news, like roundup type things where we just talk about shit that's going on. Sometimes I'll tell y'all about interactions I've had on social media, <laughs> um, which have been, which hasn't been interesting, um, or just stuff going on in the news or whatever. So there's a lot going on. Um, so since I have Courtney here with me, What's, you know, current or pressing that you're interested in talking about? I have like a, my own little list and outline and stuff, but I also want to, you know, give room to Courtney to like bring up and some stuff I'm sure is going to be overlap. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. So what you want to talk about first? Um, I don't know. The world's been a little crazy. 
Um, and it seems like it's just getting progressively worse as the year goes on. So, you know, I think people have stopped asking, can it get any worse at this point? And we're just like, fuck, what's next? Um, so right now I'm kind of reconciling with, um, I guess what's going on like social justice wise and my role in it. I'm trying to figure that out because I'm in such a different place now than I was a few years ago. Um, so I think that's an interesting thing is kind of seeing, finding yourself in activism or watching yourself grow in activism. So, or not I mean, grow, I guess, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just, I mean, have you grown? I don't know. I don't feel like it. I mean, so what do you, what does that mean to you? You're saying like watching yourself grow, watching yourself grow in activism or whatever. What does that mean for you? It's just, personally? you know, it's, I, was, I think, was a Kenful Collective said something about how these movements are always led by younger people because older people, like capitalism essentially does its job, right? So now once you're older, you have, um, you have more of a career, you have a house, et cetera, you have kids. And so capitalism kind of keeps you in check. Like I'm less like likely, more to lose. I'm less likely to risk things now mm-hmm. than I was when I was broke and I, you know, I have shit to lose. So why wouldn't I put myself out there? Right. And so I'm kind of trying to reconcile that. Now I will say, um, I have money. I ain't, I ain't got money. I can put money towards the cause now than before I can only put my body towards it. Okay. Okay. I'm a broke ass nigga. According to that reaction, I don't know what that was. No, I'm just saying like, okay, talk your shit. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying, oh, this bitch ain't got no money. Wow. <laughs> First of all, that would be fucked up because I know. Your wife. Put my business Second of all, Second of all, you make more than me. So, <laughs> like, and I ain't like just a broke bitch. I'm a comfortable bitch. You know what I'm saying? I ain't balling. She is like more on that, getting to that balling level. Like, I'm just comfortable. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just glad to not be a chit to chit bitch no more. Okay. Mm. So, mm. deep. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I can put money towards the cause now versus putting my body on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't gonna put my body on the line, no way, because I forget about COVID. I don't know where everybody else was like, fuck it. And it's cool because I understand that level of anger. Right. Um, and to feel like, okay, even in the midst of a pandemic, like this threat to my life is more pressing than a global pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. which it just speaks volumes to how serious and how like, it shit is crazy and folks and how tired people are. And also because a lot of folks have been in the house and stuff. So now it's like, I got time, I got energy, like to be out in these streets. Because if it wasn't for COVID, I'd definitely yeah, be on the streets. That's what we do. Like, mm-hmm. we'd be in these streets. Because of COVID, we're like, let's chill. But I have definitely been, like Courtney said, like, putting money behind the cause, sharing stuff and all kind of stuff. But, like, I've donated so much stuff. Um, and I'll always be... And that's something, I mean, and we don't even necessarily, like, talk about it a lot. But we both will donate to stuff just kind of on our own. We don't have, like, some huge powwow about it or anything like that. But so I've consistently like donated to things, even when I was check to check, it's just, it is what it is, but it's been more like, I was looking at my bank statement, I'm like, damn, GoFundMe and 
all this other stuff, just seeing all the little transactions. I'm like, okay, you mm -hmm. know, um, but I mean, I'm glad that I have the means to do it because, you know, I can't like in my heart, I would absolutely want to be on these streets. Like, let's do it, you know, but I can't ignore the pandemic. And then too, the thing is a lot of folks who are out there already been out. So for them, it's not much of a change because those folks who are essential um, been in these streets anyway. So they're yeah. like, shit, I've been working. I've been, you know, life hasn't changed for them. So it's nothing, you know what I'm saying, to go beyond the streets when you still got to leave your house every day anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. So there's that. And then I've been trying to reconcile with, it's like the timing of this, I was telling Daniela, the timing of... Who is Daniela? Everybody don't know who Daniela is. Daniela is my therapist. Okay. She's an amazing the timing of when I got this job, I was basically on my way to law school and I turned, I decided not to go to law school to do this job. And I convinced myself that because I, I was still able to help people in this role, but I would get paid more to do it. And then there's just some shit going down in my job right now. I'm like really unhappy there. And I was just telling her like the fucking timing of, you know, being needed in a social justice capacity right now and not being happy and like happy at my job when I could have been heading to my third year of law school. Like just the timing of all this shit happening and just kind of like really fucking with my mind, you know? So yeah, it's been an interesting few weeks to say the least, just, just um, internally for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that, especially when you're someone who's used to being out and kind of like really putting your body, body out there, you know, to not do it, like for me, I definitely, it's, there's, I don't, not a disconnect, but there's like this weird kind of thing that I'm feeling. I feel like I'm almost like in limbo. I feel some guilt because that's just like, so what I'm accustomed to, I'm very much accustomed to being like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, you know, that's what we do. And even in our relationship, I mean, that's what we do. And more so like for me, like with this partner than anybody else, where it's like, hey, we, we about it, like, let's, you know, go. So to not do that and to be to an extent on the outside looking in, in terms of that, like on the ground, like the grassroots level thing is very strange mm -hmm. to me. I'm very much not accustomed to it. I'm also not accustomed to being in a position where I'm comfortable like, uh, you know, kind of like stable finances, stable living conditions. So that I feel like brings me even more guilt <laughs> because I'm like, damn, you know, we sit up in this house that we bought and, you know, we're fixing it up and getting the stuff to make our house, you know, a, a home and folks are out in these streets and we're watching it from mm -hmm. a screen and we're contributing to the cause and everything. But it's like, and I, I understand that like everybody has a role to play and everybody's role is not necessarily to be on the front lines, on the ground or whatever. I 110% understand that. And I'm someone who's like, in my field, I have to often tell folks like, you know, to give themselves grace for like what they can and can't do. And like, you know, hey, you don't have to play that role, whatever. I get all that shit. However, <laughs> that still doesn't, it doesn't make me feel less guilty. It doesn't make me feel less weird because it's, it's I'm not used to being at that vantage point where I'm like this looking at it as opposed to me being there like it's very it's just very disconcerting for me so i don't really know what to do with it um i've just been trying to like do my part contribute support like we were already supporting black businesses and shit like that like that's stuff that we already do in our everyday life yeah but now since there's been such a push and all these lists are coming out like i'm learning about businesses i didn't know about 
And because of that, I've been able to support like even more mm-hmm. black owned businesses because I'm like, oh, I didn't even know this exists. Like the amount of money <laughs> that I have spent is pretty ridiculous. But at the same time, for me, I'm like, well, this is money I would have been spending anyway, honestly, getting to and from work. Like it's not like it hasn't changed in terms of like my like my budget or me looking at my account and seeing what I have in there. It's like this money would have just been going to ride share for me commuting to and from work. So I'd much rather, you know, give it to these businesses and give it to these causes. And so that's been great, but it's so odd. It feels like uh, um, two different realities or whatever. Like I'm seeing a different reality or whatever, because I'm like, we in the house and we've been in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very odd. It's very odd. Yeah, it's strange um, to say the least, but... And it's odd because when we were out there protesting, we would see older people. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of feel like we're just, you know, when COVID's over, because this shit's not going to end, like they're going to keep killing us. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not going to end. I think, you know, when they get a vaccine or whatever the fuck they figure out, you know, we'll have to be out there. Or when Trump refuses to leave the White House, whatever comes next, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. There's going to be a time where we're just, we're not going to be able to stay. Right. And, well, you know, which we'll I mean, out. which just because of who we are, we already know that. Like, so basically, it's kind of like we're kind of just waiting. It's gonna get to a point where it's like, okay, we just not gonna be able to just you know uh, chill or whatever. So, and not even like that, but it's just yeah, shit is gonna keep snowballing or whatever, and that's just kind of how these things work. You know, it's it just is what it is. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's been very odd. And that has, you know, kind of brought up some feelings for me that I, um, I couldn't anticipate because I've never been in this position. <laughs> I've never been in a position of, you know, not being on the front line. So um, it's very interesting. But I mean, money does talk too, and not to um, understate, you know, the significance of us contributing our funds. And because it's something that's important to us, and it just being like, it's there's no question. I'm not like hesitating, like, should I, you know, support, should I, bruh, them transactions, we've been, (laughs) we got packages coming in, we got like, it has not been, um, there's been no hesitation, like, we've been, we've been contributing the coin, okay, and in the past, that's not something I was really able to do like that, so I understand, you know, that everybody has like their role to play and all that, and some of the feelings around it, I just have to reconcile, it's just new, you know, it's just a new way to feel. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about was because it's relevant to protests and stuff like that. A lot of people have been calling for defunding the police or like abolishing the police. And from me, like just seeing people's posts and seeing conversations people are having, there seems to be a lot of confusion about what that actually means. Um, So for one, a lot of people think that these things are synonymous, like they're not. They are different things to defund the police versus abolishing. So there is some overlap, but they're not the same thing. So for defunding the police, which a lot of folks said defund the, defund the police, um, people are thinking that means abolish, like get rid of them, and it doesn't. It just means reallocating funds. That's what. It, that's like the simple version, reallocating funds. Police departments have huge budgets. Like it's ridiculous. And part of those budgets go to like things they don't, that they shouldn't have. Like they have military grade weaponry and shit walking the streets 
with civilians, you know, with regular ass people. Mm -hmm. Like, why do y'all have this? Like, they out in, like, riot gear is basically military shit, like military grade stuff, like uniforms and stuff like that. Like, it's ridiculous. Why y'all got all this stuff? Like, they have, you know, all, um, yeah, tear gas and um, rubber bullet, which rubber bullets, I think people think like they're made of rubber. It literally is a bullet <laughs> that has rubber around it. It's not that it's not lethal. It's less lethal. So it can still damn kill you. And they're supposed to like basically aim it downward and it like bounces off of something to, you know, make contact mm -hmm, to decrease the impact. But no, they aim it straight at people and people are posting pictures and all kinds of stuff of the injuries and stuff that they have for that. Those are real ass bullets, y'all. Like the whole thing I made, it has a bullet core surrounded by rubber so that it can bounce because it's not supposed to be aimed directly at somebody. But because it has that weight, it's just even more weight and force behind it. So that's why people are getting these damn injuries and stuff like that. But anyway, I digress. I'm sorry. So yeah, defunding is just reallocating funds because they're using their funds for shit like that. They have these millions, like budgets that are millions of dollars, where, whereas like you look at funding for schools and stuff in the same neighborhoods, because we're looking at taxpayer dollars and all that, schools without resources, schools that are overcrowded, you know, kids that they have these programs where they're like, okay, well, we can't afford to just kind of pay off a lunch debt. So you got kids with debt in fucking <laughs> elementary and middle school, things like that, that funds um, should be going to. We got security guards in schools, but not counselors and nurses. No, like not security guards, police. Yeah, police officers in schools. Um, we have instead LUSD of counselors, has their own police force. So right. that's the shit right there. Mm -hmm. So that's what funds are going to instead of, but it's schools in LA, in LA, they ain't got no nurses. Right. We don't have, no, a lot of schools don't have, like the nurses, or they, they, they don't have full-time nurses. So the nurses will be at this school on Monday, at this school on Tuesday. Like they move around. They don't have full-time nurses. So if a kid is sick, or you're counselors. leaving it, Yeah, or counselors. So you're literally leaving it up to the teachers to determine if they need, or they're just automatically calling the parents. Like, or they like call the police. Right. You know? So the only thing that we found is that the police, well, you guys probably know this. The police are basically there to harass black and brown children. Absolutely. Um, so they have, police have never stopped a school shooting ever. So when people say, oh, they're trying to take the police out of schools. Safer. Right. That's, that's always been the, oh, you want to take the police out of schools? You want more school shootings? They've never stopped a school shooting, a single one. The only thing they've done is harass black and brown children constantly stopping them, searching them, mm -hmm. things like that. So there's no benefit to that. And they start at the elementary school level, right. arresting six-year-olds, things like that. So all they do is they start grooming kids for the prison industrial complex. Mm -hmm. That's all they do. It's like, so now by the time you get to high school, you're accustomed to being under surveillance, <laughs> mm -hmm. to being harassed, to being like, that is, has become a normal part of your school experience. And then they don't have counselors. So like, of course, you know, like I work in counseling or whatever. A job that I had applied for, for I started working the job that I work now, is actually for like they wanted behavioral intervention interventionists to go into schools, and they've been essentially like outsourcing those type of things. Instead of having an in-house school counselor, they've been having outside teams come in and paying them less. So instead of allocating funds to have an in-house school counselor, which you should have, they'll have someone like if I was to work for that company, I would come in. Now. I don't have the same background as a school counselor. School counseling is like its own degree and its own educational path. 
that's not my background. Mm -hmm. So they'll have somebody like me who has like a broader counseling background or whatever that wasn't like specifically focused on school. Like I have some education background, but most people who work this job, that intuition, they don't, they don't have that background. So we're supposed to come to the school and deal with emotional issues, emotional issues, behavioral issues, physical stuff. Like that's what they're doing. And then paying, which I, why I didn't accept the job because they want to pay pennies they have this third party come in and do that. They contract it out instead of paying a qualified school counselor to come in and do that. So defunding the police really just boils down to reallocating funds, taking some of the funds out of the police force, the police department, policing in general, and putting it into other areas in the community and doing it in a way where it would minimize the need for police anyway, because it's not, there's not this great need for policing crime has decreased over time. Policing has not. <laughs> Policing has increased. Right. So that's a problem. All right. So that's defunding the police. But then you have abolishing. So abolishing the police is now, is there some nuance because it, what would kind of like replace it? There's not the same uh, suggestion or solution by every person or group or whatever who is calling for like, the abolishing of police or whatever but the general concept so instead of having police having a system where community members are holding one another accountable um you have like you can have something like restorative justice be an option for that or you can have um something like let's say like a community guild essentially or like a board type of thing that people will come to but it's folks who are in that community who from that community like basically peer policing type of thing, mm -hmm. but not with military grade weapons, mm -hmm. <laughs> not with systemic oppression, you know? Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, putting something different in place. So defund defunding is not getting rid of police. You know, it's just kind of taking a lot of that stuff away and also calling for them to not um, be doing, using all these because lethal- here's the here's the thing, like, and so before I was for like abolish the police, but I hadn't heard the term defunding the police. So I think that more so aligns with it because let's be fair, white people need to be stopped. And they're the dangerous, the most dangerous criminals in this country. We do need them to be policed. So right. if you defund that, defund them, take that money and put it towards community services and let us self-police mm -hmm. using those community service and allow there to be a police force that is specifically used to stop the most dangerous criminals, which are white people, the, the mass shooters, these kind of people, the serial, the serial killers, <laughs> right? Those kind of people who are just killing for the fun of it. They, you can't, no amount of community intervention is going to stop those kind of people. Right. Then yes, there, there needs to be some kind of a force out there to stop those right. psychos. You know what I mean? So there needs to be something there, but the same force does not need to stop those people and the guy sleeping in his car. Right. You don't need the same people to respond. Right. Clearly. I mean, it really, I really think there could be, um, you know, like a combination of some of the concepts that people talk about for defunding and some that they talk about for abolishing. Because I do think kind of for those petty crimes and things like that, that it does make sense to have like your community members of, you know, your peers, your neighbors, and that kind of stuff. Look at that and really try to go on a route of restorative justice. But in a situation of serial killers and mass shooters and rapists and stuff like that, folks who um, like abuse children and pedophiles and stuff, things that there has been plenty of research to kind of show that like these folks don't really rehabilitate. Mm -hmm. Like 
given the opportunity, they do the same shit again. Mm -hmm. That is where you would need like a trained force, you know, to to handle that or whatever. Um, it's, it's the same thing with like kind of abolishing prisons and stuff like that. I get the concept, but I do think like we have that segment of people where it's like, well, they got to go somewhere. We got to do something with them because they exist. Mm -hmm. um, my other thing is with looking at like community policing is that who is the community? Because white folks policing each other. <laughs> yeah, that's um, never going to work out. That's what they've been doing forever. Right. And, they and we don't, see how that's worked. They don't hold each other accountable. Um, so I think that we, you know, have to basically have something in place where there can be more accountability, less lethal force used, but also being realistic in the fact that like there are people who can't be rehabilitated. I do believe in restorative justice for some situations. Like if somebody like stole something, like, okay, like, you know, but there's levels to the shit. Like there are levels to crime. And I don't, I mean, it's been shown you can't really like rehabilitate a pedophile. Like there's these things they've tried, but ultimately it's kind of like you're constantly having to like stay on top of that. You can't really rehabilitate a serial killer. Like this just what they want to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if they get the opportunity, they're going to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And if they can keep getting away with it, they're going to keep doing it. So, yeah. But anyway, I wanted to bring it up because I see there's been a lot of like folks conflating the two. They don't mean the same thing, but they are both, you know, just alternatives to our current corrupt, crazy ass system. So, yeah. It's an so, interesting yeah. concept. And I think you should, if you see someone, somebody saying it's ridiculous because it sounds so out there, remind them that we defund everything else. We have defunded education. We have defunded mental health. We've defunded whatever the fuck we want to defund <laughs> while we give money to police and military. So again, once when, when shit hit the fan, no one asked, where's the stimulus money gonna come? Like we find the money somehow, right? So we can defund the police. They don't need all this damn money. They don't need millions. It's, it's, it's hundreds of millions. Yeah. Like, and that's well, depending ridiculous. on where you're at. Yeah. Um, but like, it, yeah. it's ridiculous. That's very unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> and if you um, look up your city's budget and see the percentage uh, that the police get, then you'll see how necessary defunding it is. For LA, it was, I think, 54% of the entire city's budget was going like, to policing. Just think about that, though. Like, over half of okay la big as fuck okay so over half of the budget for los angeles <laughs> that's a, a crazy amount of money and over half of it going to police like that's crazy think but about then when the teachers the population went on all the schools and yeah. think about like uh, with a with a city that's so large all of the thing all of the kind of elements that make that up like schools and um things like hospitals that kind of stuff that also require funding. Well, in the world, you know, there's no have, justification like, for the police to get over half. Well, right. there's no justification to, to even think that they're um, more than half as important as the services right. that a city provides. And the services that people actually need. Yeah. And in a place where there's a huge amount of black and brown people. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, we were, for my job, they were literally just talking about, um, oh, well, you know, the people that we serve and they're like, oh, 80%, 80% of the people that we serve are black and brown folks, are people of color, mm -hmm. 80, okay? And that's for LA. So it's like, really? Like, this is where the money is going to, so that policing, of course it's insidious and of course it's like intentional. That's that's what system, you know, when people, people like to reduce 
racism to like this minute thing to individuals. Right. You know, this person said something about me, whatever. When it's like it's a whole system, it's systematic, and right. it's like but I think that's a, that's on another level. They reduce it. Well, white people reduce racism to an individual level. One because it absolves them mm-hmm. of well, they think it is. It's not them. me. It's the system. No, no. I mean, it's no, not me. It's, it's me. that other person. It's head. it's yeah. It's the it's Confederate them. flag. It's them calling you a nigger. That's racism. It's not me, right? So they um, or I don't say that, so I'm not racist, right? And but they also it allows them to believe that reverse racism is a thing. A black person called me a cracker. That's racism too. It works, but mm-hmm. like it, it gives them this victimhood and it allows them to and escape accountability. Mm-hmm. So that's why they think. Well, that's why they tell themselves. But also, and I read a, a another post today by Kinfolk Collective that um, you know how the same way that we shout out, yeah, <laughs> uh, we post or I mean, um, you know, oral history. How mm-hmm. a lot of um, you know, a lot of our history is not taught in schools, but we still know it from our parents, from our grandparents, etc. And she was saying, don't let white people fool you that their parents are not teaching them their history. Mm-hmm. Like, they know they're savages, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, like, there's just no way that, like... Yeah, they're the, not oblivious. The descendants they of, like to play that way, but they're not. Right, the descendants of Nazis keep their trophies. Like, they're very yeah. proud. And the defendants of the Confederacy, they keep those trophies. Like, they're very proud of who they are. It's like, we watch Watchmen. Right. If you haven't watched Watchmen, just watch it. Watch Watchmen on HBO. So good. If you have, you know, if you have access to that. Yeah. Um, so good. But like Courtney was just talking about keeping trophies. Like that's literally what happened in the show. This man, his, his, you know, ancestors or whatever were part of the KKK. And he kept the regalia. Like this is what the fuck they do. So all these stuff that have like that symbolism and all that, they fucking know. Mm-hmm. So they can play, you know, the fool or whatever. And even play if they, oblivious. They might pretend, okay, that was, uh, like if you're watching Finding My Roots, Oh man, that's so terrible. My my family owned slaves. Man, that's it was, man, it's so bad back then. It's, you know what I mean? But they 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 like try to separate themselves from it. Um, but they mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So when they try to pretend uh, the shit that I hate now is, oh, I can't believe it's still going on. Where the fuck have you been? Where you your been? whole life? You've been sleeping. So it's fake, I think. But it's performative, definitely. It's performative. But as we're finding out in my lovely family. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. Uh, they know. They know. I think even if even if on the surface they're like, oh, I don't... Okay. If you don't know, this is because it's willful, willful, it's willful ignorance. It, yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is not because it's not happening blatantly all the fucking time. This is because you are making the decision to close your eyes a certain thing. You have, you know, tinted your glasses to only see whatever the hell you want to see. That's a decision, but that's not a passive thing that's active that's something you chose to do like i chose to be in my little bubble and this is what i see and this is how things look in my world so wow i didn't know this was going on out there okay because you made the decision to limit you made the decision to limit your vision mm-hmm. to only what you want to see and that is privilege because we walk around with this right here with this skin we can't do that like we don't have the option to walk around and be like I just turn my, I can turn a blind eye to that. No, because I look like this. <laughs> like, so for even those people who, you know, have that willful ignorance, the ability to even have that is still privilege. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you ain't know, okay, yeah, because yeah, you got the privilege of not knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, speaking of willful ignorance, 
system. Let me tell y'all, I swear, anytime I want to record, there's noise. It's seven o'clock. Why it are they cutting grass? Seven p.m. on a Saturday. Why are they cutting grass right now? First of all, who has grass? Honestly, because in our little neighborhood, our yards are not big. So like, and they've been doing this for a minute. So like, really? No, they just started when you started recording, didn't they? No, I'm saying like that's what I'm saying. They've been. Oh. It's been like you know since they started like um cutting the grass. I'm just like, ain't that much grass to cut? Are you cutting everybody's lawn? Because that don't make no sense. So it's very irritating and aggravating. And I don't know how that's going to impact this audio. So, but it just, of course, when we're going to record something, that's when it happens. Because <laughs> all day, that was not going on. I had class. We didn't, you know, did other stuff. Courtney went on the wall, all kinds of stuff. And they ain't doing that. As soon as we sit down to record. That's the bullshit I've been talking about, y'all. Anyway. I'm done. Oh, they're not. <laughs> All right, so I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit. Actually, just a, just a slight shift. Just a slight. It's not a full-on pivot or nothing. It's just a slight. It's just a slight. All right. So something that is like, um, I guess you could say like, it grinds my gears. Okay. So we're looking at, you know, people who have been like victims of police brutality and um, just person after person. It's, you know, it, this shit is every day. And so I see people saying like, say his name. Blah, blah. And I'm just like, it irritates me because like, say her name is a specific movement um, that was created because when things like this happen with like police brutality, attention, men, male victims get attention and female victims, black women weren't getting that same press, mm -hmm. that same um, mobilizing behind them, the same rallying for them, the marches and the protests and stuff. Black women were not, and still not, you know, to the same extent getting that right so that was the whole point of the say her name movement and that hashtag and that statement and people every day like say his name say his name I'm like people already say his name right they already say their name they already say guy's name so um that's not the point so you know for at least for the folks who listen to me if that's something that you've like adopted please i ask <laughs> like don't Say her name is specific. Say her name is just for her name. Say his name is not a thing. Right. It doesn't need to be a thing. Like we are for, in a patriarchy. So. For for context, Breonna Taylor was killed two months before George Floyd. Right. So that's why I say her name is a right. thing because no one did shit until he was killed. And right. she was. And then when folks yeah. start saying like, hey, so she was killed and where's this you know outcry where's this backlash where's all this when people start responding to all of this stuff about george floyd by saying well what about brianna right then that's when you know folks will be like say isn't it? I'm like, okay like right then she got kind of i mean i don't yeah, know kind of luckily like, but she but got it's been like a resurgence of like yeah, yeah. her case got brought back up again mm -hmm. yeah because of him you know but when when we're out here getting murdered in the same brutalized raped in the same shit um mm -hmm you know, our names are not lifted. So that's why I said her name was created. Right. And we're the and we're also on the front lines. Let's be clear. Every time them lines, all you gotta do is look at a picture. Like it's all we're always the ones on those front lines. Always it's essentially what happens is black women show up for black women, black women show up for black men, black men show up for black men, the end. Like they don't then if if George Floyd wouldn't have died, black men would have never shown up for Breonna Taylor. Which is why, honestly, 
whatever, cancel me. I don't give a fuck. Like when George Ford initially died, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, not like I don't care that he died, but I'm not about to waste like a ton of my energy. Um, and I've been for the record, not just him, but I've, yeah, I've stopped putting a ton of energy behind like lifting up, lifting up the names of black men first, because black men are trash. (laughs) Let me, okay. That's a whole other, I mean, this is not a secret. So because this is the thing, black men do not support, okay. Black women in mass support black, black men, whether we have an interest in them or not. Neither one of us concerned about fucking these dudes. We still show up for them. Black men, black men don't show up for black women. They barely show up for the black women who are like, you know, mothering their kids. Right. They show up if they want to get something from it, but that's it. It's not in mass. It's on a very individual scale where it's like, okay, let me do this to get what I want. So mm-hmm. my, my priority is not uplifting the name of black men because they're uplifted. Like, well, yeah. So yeah. there's that, but if I were to get murdered right now, and maybe times are changing, maybe, I mean, right now, because of the moment, maybe my name gets mentioned, but let's say six months ago, if I were to get murdered on camera the same way George Ford did, black men would not have shown up for me. Right, it so, be black women. Yeah, but black so women. that's why I'm just really like, you know, whatever. I, I stopped giving my energy to men who would shit on me, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, if they were alive. So it's kind of like, uh, what happened was not saying I think they deserve to die, especially not in this fashion, not saying that at all. And I definitely support the movement completely. Yeah. Fuck the police, tear all that shit down, burn it down. I don't give a fuck. It's just right. me putting as a black right. woman, putting my energy constantly behind black men. And then it comes out, Oh, you know, they used to beat black women. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. Sterling was he a rapist. I don't remember. Or, um, Stephon Clark, how he hated black women. You right. Know? These are the main ones. Right. They're like, oh, well, he didn't even like black women. He talked down to them all the time. He said right. they weren't, you know, they weren't shit, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. That's how it always turns out. And so definitely for me, I have, um, I pro- well, which folks who listen to the show already know, I say black women over everything, period. Mm-hmm. This is not, um, there's no caveats. Like, that's who my priority is. Black women over everything, everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody else got to follow on after that because we are the only ones who lift each other up. Ain't nobody else in mass lifting up black women, but black women. Mm-hmm. We also be lifting up every damn body else and taking care of everybody else. But I'm just like, I'm not with all that. My priority, my concern, taking care of black women, uplifting black women. So that's why I'm like, okay, I didn't post, oh, such and such George Floyd, but absolutely Brianna, mm-hmm. absolutely Sandra, absolutely, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where my energy has to go because who else is giving us their energy? Like, it's only us. It's mm-hmm. always us. And, like, I'll never... It just really blows my mind because there's an entitlement when it comes to Black women's labor. There's so much entitlement from every damn body. Every demographic feels entitled to our label, our labor or they want to um, piggyback. They mm-hmm. want to, atta- you know, attach themselves on. Uh, what about us? Blah, blah, blah. That's what, that's what folks like to do. Um, but we, don't, we definitely don't get that same energy when it comes to us getting support. It's just, no, we want to use your labor and want to latch on to you, but we cannot reciprocate. Mm-hmm. And I'm just over it. So when I say black women over everything, that's what the fuck I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that's why I say, say her name. Yeah. So just to, to reiterate, of course, we don't support people being murdered. No, absolutely not. And that should still, it's, yeah. I'm not saying it's okay. It's absolutely not. Um, I absolutely it's just don't support that or whatever. But at the same time, there's enough people 
lifting his name up. Yeah. Me not lifting it up is not I changing. I think it really just got to a point where I was tired of doing it to only be shitted on by them after they died. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when their tweets are resurfaced or their record resurfaced. I'm like, oh, because I, I don't care about your record. I'm not saying that makes you worthy of death. But if your record is, I attacked a black woman, I killed a black woman, I beat a black woman, then yeah, kind of fuck you. That's kind of the point I get to. I'm like, yeah, no, you would have yeah. fucking killed me if you had a chance. Why should I march right. for you? Or you're the, like, the, and, and it's something I always think about, like, you know, I've mentioned before, like, when I, when, especially when I was in Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta was black as hell, whatever. I, I underwent, like, so much harassment from black men. So much. Like, daily y'all like nobody should have to like live like that bro like the shit was ridiculous where i'm like i'm uh, every time i leave the house i'm like let me get my get my mind right to be talked to any kind of way cat call followed surrounded cornered like let me just you know i'm saying prepare myself for that mentally every fucking day so these are the same men who are being brutalized right Mm -hmm. So it's like, and I'm out there. Like, I would still be out there. I'm like, this could easily have been, like, any of them could have easily have been one of them dudes who cat called me on the street and then called me a bitch because I didn't want to talk to them or followed me in the car or tried to corner me, whatever. Like, it's the same thing, right? So it does become, like, it wears you down to be like, so you're I'm fighting still, for your own oppressor. Right. In a way. I'm like, I'm still, I'm still showing up for you. Like I'm still, it's a, it's like an abusive relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, even though you don't give a fuck about me, I'm still showing up for you. That shit is old. Yeah. It's, it's, it's odd old. because, yeah, it's because my father is a black man or because my brother, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what you see when you see these men being brutalized. It's like, I feel like I'm fighting for my father, but at the same time, I'm also fighting for the people who would oppress me or wouldn't show up for me. So it's kind of like, it's a very odd place to be in. And especially as a queer person, it, it's even getting to that point. And that has another like, layer, yeah, too. Because layer. you already know they don't give a fuck about us. Yeah. Like, they they see they us as... literally will be the one to kill you. Yeah, you know absolutely. Mean? They'll um, be the one to kill us. They'll be the one to say, like, oh, like, that's not that's not valid. Like, basically, to invalidate our queerness and be like, oh, no, you just need, you just need a guy, basically. You need a guy to fuck you right. You need this. You need that. So... It's like, okay, you don't even see me as valid. Like, all you do is mistreat me, talk down to me, harass me, bash me, whatever. Like, and these are the people I'm still showing up for. And it just really, like, when we did the Black Lives Matter thing out here, and that guy was like, oh, it's so good to see Black women showing up for Black men. And we're like, nigga, what? When I say, (laughs) me and Courtney both were just like, that, that was oh, that was his first protest. Gotta be. It had to have been his first protest because we're like, bruh, we've been in these streets. Like, I I know we had to like give each other the look. Like this nigga, this nigga can't be serious. Like this nigga trip, you know? Because yeah, that was the wild. I'm like, this wild. You talking wild right now? Because I'm like, this is what we do. Look around you, bruh. It's yeah. black women everywhere. We out here, black black queer people, black women. We we make up the majority. Black queer people been on the front line. We've been out here. The people who started Stonewall. Black, Stonewall, Black Lives Matter, both started by yeah. black queer people. 
and then people come by behind and erase it. Talking about say his name. That is right. Like, it's like the ultimate slap in the face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even me too. Like okay, that's a me black too woman. Started by, yeah, black woman. Um, and they want to be like, oh well, now these white women want to attach on to that. I'm like, bruh, y'all better get this woman her her due her credit where it's due because so yeah I, yeah so I've made it a point to where I'm just like I prioritize black women over everything, period. And because too these movements, so it's like already uplifting men don't say nothing about women murdering trans folks Mm -hmm. especially trans women we just had two more black trans women they're dead like just this week right so but these the folks like stonewall black that's black trans woman right there at the forefront of that these are the folks who are the pioneers and who are like really spearheading these changes and getting slaughtered in the street by black men mm-hmm. <laughs> by the black men they show up for like so i just got i'm just like look it's it gotta be black women over everything it just period like i can't um because who we all we got like we are we are the prime like the definition the prime example of like we all we got nobody embodies that the way black women do yeah you know it's funny um, I think it was Angelica Ross, but don't quote me on this. She made a post about um, basically how not a lo- not enough celebrities had said anything about the trans sister who got beat up. Um, Ayanna Dior? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Frenchie Davis, who is, is bisexual, if I'm I correct. think so. Ayanna Dior was a prime example. Like, folks just watched, just sat around and watched her be attacked. Like, what? Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, Frenchie Davis commented basically like black women don't owe anybody shit cis or trans some shit it was like the most bizarre so she's saying black women don't have to show up for other black women is that what she's saying yeah and I was just like I responded she basically asked you to show up for yourself like, I don't even understand. Right. She's like, we don't owe anybody. She, I'm tired of us being, like, the mule. And I'm like, she's literally asking you to show up for yourself, like, right yeah. here. So I was very... Yeah, this confused. is not a mule situation, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can see if it's... But, this, but yeah. to me, she said, like, sister Tran, we, we always got to do shit for other people. To, you know what I mean? Like, it sounded like she sl- tried to make it seem like she wasn't being transphobic, but I think she was slipping into Yeah, it sounded like some like you're trying thinly to other, veiled yeah, trans trying to other Because like, I ain't going to say cis and trans, but like, this is literally a trans woman we're talking about. So, it sounds like thinly, very thinly veiled transphobia. When really you saying, like, black women ain't got to show up for anybody, including trans women. And it makes no sense. Like, if anybody we need to show up for, it's each other. Fuck everybody else, honestly. We don't got to show up for nobody else, but that, that don't make no kind of sense. Yeah. It sounds like some bullshit to me. It sounds like some thinly veiled transphobia. I, I can't get with it. Okay, so um, I don't know how we're doing on time. Not good. <laughs> how much time has it been? Okay. Look and see. Your vision better than mine. Look where? Um, it will probably show you on the live. I don't have to click. It don't show you how long you've been on there? What does this one say? Nothing. What? It's 720. Okay. I don't know. Come on, technology. You're supposed to let us know something. All right. So, okay. It's only like a couple more things that I want to talk about on this because I don't want it to be like outrageously long. And we, you know, once we start, especially we start talking about black shit, you know, we'll be going in. All right. So, 
I want to talk about um, this idea of like black. So Asian. <laughs> this idea of black liberation, and it's so fun. Wait, which Asian? My sister. Okay, mm -hmm. it's funny that she popped up because actually, me and her have a conversation about this on my Facebook thread. So mm. I want to talk about mm. black liberation and this concept of allies. All right. So, I've mentioned very briefly, but I didn't go into detail. Like this was a while ago on the podcast. I mentioned that I don't believe in allies when it comes to black liberation. Um, had some folks question me about it. And I'm like, I said what I said. <laughs> I don't believe in allies when it comes to black liberation, okay? Now, one of the people who um, articulated part of what I was like feeling was Feminista Jones. Mm -hmm. I'm in term four. That's Bay right there, okay? So. Not me. Anyway, so um, Feminista Jones like did this thread years ago. This was probably back in, hold on, let's let me say see. 2013, 2014. I think it was 2014. No, it was 2015. Okay, whatever. So Feminista Jones did this thread back in 2015 talking about this concept, basically the concept of allyship and why um, white folks, when it comes to like black liberation, um, can't be allies, mm -hmm. right? I won't go through the whole thing. What I'll do is like I'll link the thread in the show notes so that y'all can go read it. Um, because I don't want to like misquote her or anything like that. I'm just going to give my perspective, right? So here's the thing. When it comes to like black people, like getting free, you know, for white people, we're in a white supremacist society. White people get all the benefits from, from this. Like they get all the benefits, right? Right. So when you think of the concept of an allyship, think about it like um, countries forming alliances. When countries form alliances, they do so because it's of mutual benefit to both of them. So it might be a situation where it's like, oh, well, you have um, oil resources. You have um, these exports that we can't like have domestically or whatever. Like you grow these plants that we don't have the right you know, uh, weather to grow here or whatever. It's like a trade partnership. So it's like a trade they partnership or whatever. Yeah. So there's a mutual benefit there. Or or an allyship in war or something where we're going to fight for each other. Right. Or we're going to we, band together and yeah. fight this, this. We can't fight for white folks. This common enemy or whatever. So anyway, so yeah. So you think about an alliance in that sense, both or all parties benefit from it in some kind of way. Right. And there's, it's not just benefit, but there's like a, um, there's a balance of benefit. So it's not like one is benefiting way more than the other. Okay. So it's, it's more, it's like more of an even playing field. So it's like, okay, from us exchanging these resources, we both get things that we vitally need or whatever, or we both, or that we want, whatever. Um, so something like that, right? Whether, even if it's just money, it's like, okay, we get this, you know, oil, y'all get this money, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a mutual benefit yes. there. Okay. So when it comes to black liberation, for our black people, our benefit is freedom. Our benefit is being freed from a system that was specifically designed to oppress us. What is the parallel benefit that white people have? There is none. How can they be our ally Did when... Just shut up? <laughs> how can they be our ally when it, it will require like where black liberation required this, requires fact, dismantling a system that they inherently benefit from. It's the exact from. opposite of an allyship, right? Correct. They have to lose in order for us to win. Correct. So right. they, so, have no, they have no um, incentive to correct. invest in our liberation. Because they're already benefit, like things are already in their favor. So 
by something no longer being in their favor, that's an L for them. So inherently, just by design, um, it's not, it can't be an alliance, right? So they have to be willing to like relinquish some things, relinquish that privilege or whatever. And it's like, they can talk about it, but like for real, for real, who won't do that, right? So they're like, shit, I'm good. Ultimately, because ultimately that desire for self-preservation is going to trump, you, even if you're you know, an idealist or whatever, like your pie in the sky dreams is like, yes, I want to help the blacks or whatever. But, you know, being like, I want to help the Blacks, you know. Um, yes, I want to do the right, I want to do the right thing, you know, that kind of thing. That, and when it come down to it, it's like, but damn, I, I got to give up everything. I got I can't keep a little bit of the privilege. You think, like, just think about it like this. If we, we know racism is a system, right? And just take one part of the system, like jobs, right? Where Black people are underemployed and we have a higher unemployment rate, right? Because they see our names and they're more likely to throw it in the trash. Well, to dismantle that part of racism, I mean, white people are gonna to have to start losing jobs looking in those positions, right? How many of them are willing to lose their jobs right. for us? Right. None of them. Correct. Zero that's percent. The thing. It's like, okay. Well, this is Serena Williams' husband. <laughs> one. <laughs> look, got one. I mean, well, he's rich Serena, already. He's so, willing to risk it off for Serena. Right. Okay, but, that's the thing. Think about it. He's rich yeah. already, yeah. right? He's set for life. Yeah. So he really didn't give up anything. Right. Let's just think about it, right? Right. And he's he's set to make money, like his royalties off of mm -hmm. that website, right? So he's going to be making money for that for the life. rest of his life, yeah. right? He said, they daughter said, they're fine. They he's did. really not giving up anything. Right. He's donating a million dollars. Like, yeah. if you can donate a million dollars, you're fine. Right. Right? Uh, it says, like, two minutes left on the line. On the line. Yeah, redo it. Um, so that's kind of the thing, right? Who's going to give up? anything not just a small piece yeah are they gonna give up are they gonna give us access to better schooling so their right. kids can even go something to i was about to say even like with school like think about like an ivy league school or whatever all these different practices oh you know what's a good one housing yeah just said housing. housing oh you did oh. yeah I was like, that, well i was getting i was like oh, okay. the kids are they gonna give up their places yeah. of where kids go to school they're gonna give up mm -hmm. their neighborhood neighborhood yeah because no. so many things have been so many um, like policies and like gerrymandering and all kind of stuff have been adjusted to benefit them. Like they're like, you know what? Now we have an influx, you know, of white people in this area. Let's redraw these lines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. We got white flight. White flight is a thing because it they can go where the hell they want to go and benefit, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's why it's like, okay, think about an alliance. There's no comparable benefit, whatever they actually have to lose. They have to give up something. And when it comes down to it, if you're like, you know what? this person is homeless, right? I can help them. I have a home. I can't say, oh, well, they can just stay at my house. No, I can give them some money for mm -hmm. some food to eat. No, for it to be balanced, but like, you know what? You got to give up your house, take that money. So both, then both of y'all can, you know, have a place to live, but you're going to be in a smaller house. house. Your house gonna be smaller. Gonna have to, yeah. They're gonna are be like, gonna hell no. Are you willing to downsize? Right. Are you willing no. to downsize so that we can both have? You got your four bedroom. Are you willing to downsize so we can both have a two bedroom? No. They're not going. Absolutely to. not. Absolutely not. That's the thing. It's like it's not just about like, oh yeah, I'll help them out. Th this is like white folks' perspective is being an ally. Like I had posted a status on Facebook saying like white folks are very attached to the term ally. 
But in my opinion, it's really just the modern day way of saying I've always been good to you people. Like, I do good stuff for the blacks, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't say the N-word, you know, it's like those little things that there's they can still do that and be comfortable. It's gonna require extreme discomfort for you for there to actually be equity. It will require them, you know, relinquishing things or whatever. So them saying, oh, I'm an ally or whatever, it's in those easy things to do where they can be like, I don't say the N-word, I don't, because they feel like I don't do these particular things, that means that I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not true. Because when it comes down to it, like when it comes down to doing the real work, you are racist. When it comes down to doing the real work, when it comes down to like, are you willing to totally uproot your family? Like in the house example. So you told, you willing to uproot your family and totally adjust your way of living? For this for this cause we don't have the same thing because it's like we can't be allies because that's our reality so think about um so i want to give examples there are there have been like abolitionists right so yes. there have been examples of white people who are willing to risk it yes for the, that those just be, not on a large right, scale so, but they would not be considered allies right those would be considered what's the word uh, co-conspirators. co-conspirators that's yeah so that's my point so it's like because the thing is because they're risking themselves right and they have things they have to give up mm-hmm. or whatever. It requires sacrifice. Like, not just saying some cute talking points, not just being like, I'm not racist, don't say the N-word, making a little video, a little post. It really requires sacrifice if you're really about that life. Like, it really requires those folks who, like, legitimately put their bodies on the line. Um, this woman that I interned with, I did a fellowship um, with Spirit House, and one of the founders, Ruby Sales, she... Um, it's like pretty well known in terms of like um, social justice, civil rights and stuff like that. So she was just saying how like, you know, there were those abolition, like the abolitions, the abolitionists were actually about their life where it's like, they literally like, I'm gonna put my body in front of yours and take this bullet. That's not the same as like, I'm gonna do this post. Come on, or posting Black Lives Matter. I'm not impressed. Right. Saying that. I didn't even put that down square. I was like, it's so performative. It's performative. It's very performative because ultimately you still get to live your regular ass life and you don't, this isn't impacting you. But like for those folks who were legit willing to like, I'm gonna be a shield. Like, I mean, legit, she asked somebody to take a bullet. Like, he took a bullet for her. That's when you really about that life. When you're like, okay, I see that this is so messed up that like I recognize. But the thing is, it requires, it's a constantly active thing. And white folks are very passive. Mm-hmm. It's an active thing to be, to, to work to be anti-racist. So perfect example is um, I posted, there was a, a guy, a white guy, and it was actually a very odd interaction because we've been friends probably on Facebook probably over a decade now. And he, he had, number one. No, yeah, <laughs> he'd been fine for the longest um and you know he's gone to protests he usually says things um like about black lives matter and he yeah so but he said something about he posted words of george bush right um basically calling for unity or some bullshit that george whatever the fuck george did and i basically checked him on it and i was like i know you mean well but i just want to kind of remind you that part of white supremacy is that they get to basically be forgiven Right, they get to inflict all this harm, cause all this harm on our communities, and then they get to go and live these these cute little lives. And George was like painting, wasn't he on Ellen's show? And oh, look at George, look how cute he is, and right. all this shit. Or when he was um next to uh, next to Michelle, Michelle Obama, Obama, and they're passing each other candy and shit. And I told him I was like, 
honestly, part of the reason why white supremacy, part of the reason why it gets to keep living is because y'all keep forgiving them for everything that they, oh, that was just a part of, oh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was like, part this, of his job. Like, this is thing. not, the people make the mistake of thinking like, this is not inherently who they are versus like, this is just, oh, that's just something they did. This is mm-hmm. who they are. Like, right. understand how racism is. This shit is yeah. ingrained. So he basically came back with, I've done my part. That's what he, that's literally what he told me. I've done my part. What I say, I've always been good to you. People. Yeah, I've done my part. You're going to chastise me, take this shit somewhere else. You can unfriend me. I've done my part. I, I think Bush is doing the right thing here by c- claiming unity. And I was right. like, I was like, first of all, I, you know, I could spaz. You know, I could spaz. And I didn't. I you I really was a didn't. very calm. I was very shocked because I'm like, you could have justifiably spaz. I could have. And I was like, because we've been French, I almost thought he had been hijacked. You're like, who hacked you? <laughs> because, I mean, how, yeah. I was just like, first of all, because he's like, I'm not going to take it down. First of all, I didn't actually take it down. All I said was, when you post things like this, because we're, you know, it was at a time when they, you know, put that fucking square up, like, amplify black voices. I'm a black voice. I'm coming to you and I'm saying George Bush has done a lot of shit, you know, that hurt the black community. His voice is not what the fuck we want to hear right now. Like, maybe you should take him down. That ain't it. And he just went, I was like, but see, that's, that's when, that's when it really comes to light where it's like, you know what, it's all cute or whatever. And they can say all they want to say, but it's like, ultimately they still want to talk over you. Like in real life, like in reality, you know what I'm saying? They still want to, they still think that what they have to say is more important. They still think that their performative stuff is more important than your real ass life. They still think that they know better. So they still look to themselves as the authority, as opposed to people who are actually living this black experience. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's arrogant. Like when we talk about caucasity, bruh, like I've never, like the audacity of white people is unparalleled. Nobody, nobody has the audacity that white folks have because yeah. that's really how they think. They're really like, you know, it really is a, I've been good to you people. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, blah, blah. And you just need to accept it's like that kind of thing. And I'm like, we telling you that ain't it. Like, you want to make your little bootleg sign? We're like, no, bro, get in the front. Be a human shield. Like, that's what your value can be. Mm-hmm. They ain't trying to hear that. They're like, yeah, so I would say maybe we should give them some examples. Like, you want to be an ally. How about you try to be a co-conspirator? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, um, I was like, y'all need to really think separate from that word and really focus on being anti-racist and being a co-conspirator. Yeah. Because we didn't say, the thing is, White folks have to, it's an active thing. They have to actively work to be Mm anti-racist because the racism is inherent. So it's like for you to be, it's not saying, oh, I'm not racist. Like you are, but if you were to be anti-racist, that means you are actively fighting against that in very tangible, specific ways regularly, not just one day a week. Not just, it's like in your life, in your life. Yeah. Um, I think a big issue is, not just with white people, but with human beings in general. They don't like to change, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when it gets to a certain age. Like, for me, I'm extremely open, probably too open. And that's something I will address with Daniela. I'm very open, right? Um, but a lot of people don't like to admit that they were wrong or they, they, they can't change their mind. For whatever reason, I'm here, I'm stuck. You can't change my mind, never going to change my mind. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that is pride. Pride, ego, etc. Yeah. Um Oh, Karen's Gone Wild is a page to check out for some good laughs. Oh, yeah. Cool. Also, ch- check out Sarah Cooper, uh, Sarah CPR. 
Oh yeah. Her shit's hilarious. She be tripping me out. And then, oh, there's like, I have to find it. There's a page on Facebook where there's like, it's a, it's like some white, um, some white folks, mainly white women. And they basically like you tag them and they come and drag other white people who say stupid stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> they just be like, you know what? We got it. Like, and they yeah. just come and drag them, you know, it, that's just, well, that's cool. Um, what was I saying? Ancient <laughs> distractions. Oh, okay. I was talking about it was something I saw on. Oh, I think I think this is a white woman. I think her name was Natalie Portman or Olivia Wilde. I cannot tell them apart. Okay. Um. So basically, <laughs> they are both white women. Do they look alike? I don't know. One of like, the two. I know what they each look like, but I can't do a mental side by side right now. Okay, one of the two, or okay. maybe neither one of them. I'm not sure. Um. So some a, celebrity white woman. Yes, there was a black lady talking about she had a conversation with. I'm gonna say Natalie Portman for now. We'll check this later. Uh, she basically, oh. you know, kind of had a conversation with her, and Natalie was like, "I'm gonna be completely honest with you, like, because the lady asked her, like, you know, you know, was talking to her about defunding the police, and she's like, "I'm gonna be completely honest with you, like, my whole life the police have protected me. Like, I called the police, they've come, they've protected me, they've helped me." my whole life. So it makes me so uncomfortable to hear you say defund the police. That's but, the point. Right. You, they don't like, have to be uncomfortable. Yeah, That's why they ain't allies. But she was like, but um, I hear what you're saying. Give me some resources. I'm going to read as, you know, I don't know if this is her friend. I don't know what their relationship was, mm-hmm. but she was like, just, I'm, it makes me so uncomfortable. So just, just tell me, just tell me or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she said she came back and she was like, okay, I get it now. So my safety the police the safety that the police provide me directly contributes to your unsafety right as a black person i get it yeah i get it now but i never got that before because i've never whatever you know i've never seen that or i've never made that correlation because privilege but but, but <laughs> my, my point is there has to be something in there for her to even try and listen yeah and a lot of people don't have that right. part they yeah, don't have yeah. the receptiveness to say maybe i'm wrong mm-hmm. yeah that's true um and that's just true. saying right wait because like the police have always been there for me like mm-hmm. why would i question that it's a promise that you know how people be like oh well i never went through that you know yeah like what oh what's the bias fuck i need my list of biases oh uh, yeah but it is it is a type of bias though where it's like okay well if i'm saying yo like the police target me, the police are this, and you're like, that's not my experience with mm-hmm. police. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but for some people, and for white people, and but part of white privilege is the fact that you can live your life like, this doesn't happen because it doesn't happen to me. That is like a huge part, perk of privilege. Mm-hmm. We don't have that privilege to be like, oh, well, this don't happen. Like, we see it. We're like, we see this happening to folks who look like us. White folks are like, i never seen that. Does that really happen? It's like mm-hmm. they're in a whole other world. They're in a little privilege bubble. Yeah. And Trevor Noah did like a little thing on that. He was like, um, like when black people say, I'm just walking down the street and they grab me and throw me against the wall and search me. And a white person hears that and they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And the right. black people say, I know it doesn't make sense. Right. And they're like, or they're like, that's against the law. That would be, yeah. yes, yes, I know. <laughs> and they're like, I can't, you can't visualize something that you've never seen. Right. Like, yeah, that's literally the point. That's that why they don't do it to you. Right. That Because you have this cognitive dissonance. And that's why this. it's such an issue because it's like you, like the way, the reaction that you have where you're like, what? Like, no way. You know, that kind of thing. Like, there's no way this can happen. That's unlawful. That's crazy. Like, that sounds like some dystopia. Yes, yeah, that's our life. Like, that is what actually happens. Mm-hmm. But to them, it sounds like this 
far-fetched, ridiculous, exaggerated thing. They think that our very real day-to-day things are exaggerations. And so that's how they respond. Like, it's, it can't be that bad. No way it can be that bad. It is that bad. It's worse, you know. So that's, but that's um, part of what privilege affords them. That's part of that. It's like, you got on little privilege goggles. You don't have to see that. So people don't really understand, like, that there's a huge disconnect or whatever. And that's why there's not an alliance because like, how are you going to be my ally? Like we ain't even on the same field. Like we're not even looking at things from the same perspective. When you think about an alliance, because you're looking at like this mutual benefit, then you come to a common ground where there's a common vision that you all are seeing. We not even living in the same reality. How are you going to be my ally? It's going to take a lot of work for you to fight against all those benefits that are ingrained or whatever. And understanding that like, you will never get to the end of that journey. You have to spend the rest of your life fighting it, actively fighting it day after day. You're not going to get to a point where it's like, I fought and I fought and fought and boom, I've achieved, you know, peak, like allyship order. I've achieved peak co-conspirator. I've achieved peak, um, like peak anti-racist. No, you don't have to fight this for the rest of your life. If you're really about that life, you're going to have to fight it for the rest of your life because as you navigate through the earth, you still got privilege. It's not like you get to, not revoke. What's the word like for you? You give something up, not revoke, but you don't get to basically like just give up your privilege or whatever. Like you don't get to just be like, all right, you know, I'm gonna opt out. You still got it as you're st- fighting this day by day. Like you still are actively living in your privilege. So that's the difference. Like, so we can't be allies because it's like the the playing field is not it's not even. Relinquish. Relinquish. That's the word. Thank you, baby. Um. Well, thank you, Asia. Um, so yeah, relinquish. Like you don't, All you can't. Degrees, man. <laughs> um, they can't relinquish their privilege. So it's a like to be a co-conspirator, to be to work toward being anti-racist. Like you have to continuously work toward or whatever. And for some, and folks are just like honestly, they don't want. If they are honest, they don't want to do that. It's hard work. It's a lot of work, and it still ain't as hard as what we got to do. Period. Like they still get to walk through the world with privilege, but. For those folks who are performative, they want to be like, oh, well, I, I went to the march and I had my sign and I don't say the N-word and, you know, I tell my friends not to say the N-word and they do these performative things and they got to post it all to social media because it's a performance. Because if you're really about that life, every, like, you're just doing this for social media clout, you know, so where you're like, this is me at the march with my sign and I got to, you know, post pictures. We were out in the streets. We didn't post no pictures. We didn't even have our phones. We didn't even have our phones. So, right. So that's the thing. So I'm like, okay, that's the thing. If you're just doing it for like to be seen, then that's what your motivation is. You're not actually trying to be anti-racist. You're not actually trying to do the work for real. You just want to have the appearance and then be so um, self-righteous about it too. Then be like, but I, but I um, showed up and I did this and I did that. And that's what I mean about the, I've always been good to you people. Mm -hmm. It's a performative thing because in your heart, when it come down to it, are you willing to put your body on the line? Absolutely not. So, are you willing to do the work? Absolutely not. Humans, right, at, at, the, at our core are selfish beings, right? Is what they always say. So what the whole I've always been good to you thing is everything that a white person does at the very end of it is self-serving, right? Right. So that's why when we call them out, they're like, wait, but I did, th-. like, they're, the things that they're doing are to make themselves feel mm-hmm. good. It's a swage that white girl. Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, he's just saying something. Oh, uh, police have the privilege of taking off their uniform, but she can't hide her skin color. Yeah. Right. Yeah, of that's course. why it's some bullshit when people say blue lives matter. I'm like, y'all yeah, don't know that shit. Um, 
But we already know that's some bullshit yeah. because they don't they you know they have a problem with black. That's the word they have a problem yep. with. <laughs> and because at the end of the day, okay, you have cops that are black and they still get treated the same. So yes. like they, man, when they take their uniform off, they just sometimes even just, in the uniform. Yeah, but they yeah. think they fake. <laughs> yeah, you know, so pretending. So that's the thing. Um, okay, and then the last thing that I wanted to touch on relevant. To black liberation, Courtney Siller. Um, y'all couldn't see her. She just like touched my knee when I said last thing I want to touch on. But anyway, so um, this conversation of reparations. Now, this this piece that I actually want to mention actually has nothing to do with white folks, right? It's about black folks. So, oh, I was on a Kenfo Collective post, um, and. So basically folks were talking about, you know, reparations and, oh, essentially it was just supposed to be kind of like a light, a fairly light post. Like, what would you do? Like, if we, if we got such and such amount of money or whatever for reparations, like what you going to do with the money? And people just, you know how black folks, black, we are like the masters at humor and just like, like, like we unparalleled, <laughs> we're unparalleled when it comes to, the, to humor and stuff. So folks are going in about, yeah, I'm about to buy a giraffe. I'm about to put, <laughs> you know, some spinners on a cord, like just, you know, Ooh. crazy stuff, Ooh. you know, and it's just, you know, we having a good time. Here go this chick talking about, oh no, we really need to, no, we need to invest in the community and folks, black folks need to, you know, we're like she basically saying like, you know, um, black folks need to build community with their reparations or whatever. Now, on a surface level, folks might be like, okay, what's wrong with that? But I just want to tell you what's wrong with that, right? Because I had to tell her what was wrong with that. Uh-oh. And because she was very self-righteous um, and the way she come across, like, you know, like she was chastising people. And I'm like, okay, let me tell you how you got all those fucked up. Let me go ahead and let you know. Ooh. So, let me get up. first Wait. of all, when you think about reparations, reparations is money owed. Reparations is not a handout, right? Speak on it's it. It's money owed. This is money that like our, not just our ancestors, but us too, that we have, um, it's like basically unpaid wages. We have ancestors who built this country. We've sustained this country. We have not been compensated accordingly. Mm-hmm. So reparations is that compensation. Is no amount they can give us that would even come close to actually compensating us. So let's be clear on that. Let's, let's be like, clear. It's no amount, no nothing they could actually give us that will um, adequately compensate us. But still, they still need to, you know, run, run them coins. So folks get reparations, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, it's uh, basically rooted in respectability to be like, this is what you need to do with your money. Now, all black folks like we are oppressed we work we you know work a lot in a country that or the society that don't care about us and that basically just like you know brings us down and stuff like that so it's our right to do whatever fuck we want to do honestly if we yeah. if reparations like is a thing that were to actually happen um we are not obligated to do some specific things with with that we can do whatever we want to do. Somebody want to legit buy them giraffe? That is their prerogative. Sure, I'm buying me some. Some what? I'm not. I'm working on my mouth. Okay. Anyway, so it's our <laughs> it's our um, right to do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. So to and so to put these like caveats or to put these like requirements on it, it's just respectable. Mm-hmm. And because you're saying, okay, Bill, what what community are you talking about? So are you talking about us? 
um, investing in systems that oppress us, like capitalism. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants to say, start a business, start a business. First of all, everybody don't want to start no damn business. Everybody don't want to be a business owner. Um, secondly, all we do is damn work. So can we, can we take a break? And I was telling her, I was like, you know, it's so ridiculous that we can't even hypothetically enjoy ourselves. Like this is just a hypothetical situation. We're talking, here you come policing what people do with their money. We have a lot of respectability politics like ingrained in our culture. And, so ingrained, white supremacy, man. Uh, and that's what it is, white supremacy, because ultimately that just really goes back to this mindset of like, oh, well, the reason that, you know, black folks are doing bad is because they don't invest in their community. They don't do this. They don't do that, which is all a fucking lie. We have had black communities that have, you know, been thriving and stuff like that, that they literally burned to the ground more than one. This ain't happened just one time. So mm -hmm. it ain't like we have never gone that route of like, okay, let's have all these things that we just sustain ourselves and let's do this and let's do that. We've done that and they have literally burned that shit to the ground. So for you to come and be self-righteous and be like, you know, we need to do this. People do that. And guess what? Still were oppressed, still got burned down, still dealt with all the same issues. Let folks have some joy, some leisure, some reprieve, however they can get it. If that means they want to buy a damn giraffe, so be it. But it's no person's place to be policing how folks spend their money. And, and really, and it's just respect, it's respectability politics. So it's the white supremacy, it's capitalism, because you're like, start a business. When you get your, um, get your stimulus, you should blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, everybody don't want to do that shit. If somebody want to go and spend that money on whatever they want to spend it, they want to go take a trip, they want to go, park, that's their prerogative. And the thing is, like, in the grand scheme of things, and as much oppression as we deal with, we should be able to take a break sometimes, rest sometimes, have a good time sometimes. So, yeah. So just think of, this is how I think about it. And unfortunately, we were born into a capitalist society um, that requires our labor, right? oftentimes free labor or extremely underpaid um but we as human beings were not meant to be born to work and then die like that's not we were not meant to just work, work. like that's not what we're here for um they enslaved our ancestors and made them work mm -hmm. for free and then they just um, follow us into a prison industrial con con into a prison industrial complex to get us to do the same thing because prison labor is slave labor mm -hmm. like is no, like make no mistake about it, it is slave labor by a different name you got folks who are prison labor sustains huge corporations for pennies mm -hmm. it's slave labor it ain't no other way to put that right okay. um not even corporations i would talk about out here the firefighters right mm -hmm. slaves fight fires in california mm -hmm. um and then when they get out of prison if they get out they can't fight fires right. anymore so they can't get those wages they can't count that as like oh i had this training or whatever yeah now i'm struggling to get a job because i have a record right so because we need you to go back to prison right we need your free labor but you can package you can package yourself for starbucks and you can fight these fires mm -hmm. and you can you know do these things for Victoria's Secret, but can you get a job at any of those when you get out? No. Um, so, again, your body needs breaks, and it's and okay. And your mind. So, like, if you, and first of all, I, I really, because a, a lot of people talk about, like, this stupid shit coming up on, I think, July 7th, which is, I don't understand that one. I wish somebody would help me. Out. The boycott thing. Yeah. I, 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 I think, and so, 
and I get it. Like, black people are hopeful, and we're, like, the most hopeful people on earth. So still have hope after all this shit. Like, just still have hope. It's crazy to me. You got, everyone's better than me, because I have no hope. Like, hope has sustained black people. Like, hope has kept us, kept our people alive, honestly. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason that, like, we're not extinct. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? After going through, after being subjected to year, hundreds of years of genocide, because that's what it is. Yeah. We've been, we are the only people who's been, who've been subjected, subjected to this duration of genocide and we still here. It's hope. Right. We still here. Like you see how they decimated Native Americans. You see how even they're like. They're still here barely hanging Yeah, they're still or... here. But I mean like in, in the numbers that we have. Yeah. Because it's still, in both cases, it's genocide. Mm-hmm. We just, we still hanging on. Yeah. Um, but. And I think so cool that's, you know, a lot of people have hope, but we have to get to a point when we realize that um, white people are not going to allow us to survive and beat them using their system. Right. So we're not going to be able to boycott our way to freedom. We're not going right. to be able to vote our way to freedom. Right. That shit is not going to work. However, dismantling. right. You see in Georgia, the perfect example, y'all can try to vote your way to freedom. They're going to find a way to stop you. Yeah, they built the system. It is their system. Right. You cannot beat them using their system. Right. We cannot boycott to beat. We cannot boycott to beat capitalism. It doesn't make sense. And riots do work. I mean, p- people who they're another respectability thing where folks are like, you know, you're destroying your own community. Okay, it's bullshit. It's not, not our community. No, it's not. Time. But you see what actually gets results, like people tearing stuff down, politics, are rioting, yeah. all the kind of stuff. People want to talk stuff about it, but it's like you know. It ain't the the quote unquote peaceful things that's getting the results. Yeah. When you start tearing shit down, that's what gets their attention. Peace has never gotten results. Right. And then why it's like we're fighting a violent system and to be like, stay peaceful, oh, blah, blah, like yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. A, uh, I don't know the exact quote, but Stokely Carmichael's like, peace only wor- peace doesn't work when you're fighting savages. Right. <laughs> you know? Legit. Like, could Legit. you imagine like a dog is running to attack you and you're like, no, no, no. Right. Don't bite me. Right. <laughs> Or do you Back just up. stand still? Yeah, like, you just stand okay. still. I'm not a threat. Just like no. try to shrink yourself. It's like Free it me, dog. Work. Like, it does yeah. not. It does not work. It's like I'm, this girl tweeted. I don't know who what her name is. Um, I don't remember, but she basically did a tweet like you know saying um, she was saying like it's so it's such a disconnect to be like um, to say like you want to like uh, say no justice no peace. Yeah, she was like it's such a dis- disconnect to say no justice no peace, but like you peacefully protest and you feel like peaceful protest is like the best way to do things like no well, justice no peace literally means no justice no peace like no peace not we're gonna peacefully protest like no we're not you're not gonna have peace right. until there's justice we're so. gonna fuck shit up yeah but so here's the and i don't like, like minneapolis right like, hey, look got them hands yo they um, they man that video of them um talking to the mayor and they're basically like okay yes go, or no question yeah go home Jacob. after they then tore some shit up and they're like yes or no question and he ain't say what they wanted to hear. He like, they like, go home. Go home, Jacob. <laughs> Period. It's the people, like, the people, the power is with the people. Um, but, so, and I don't want to take up, like, too much more time, but um, when we talk about, like, no justice, no peace, and things like that, and so a lot of times people will say we're not our grandparents, right? And I know, I know, that's bullshit. But what I figured is the correct, the correct term, what they really mean is we are not our parents. The reason why they skip back to our grandparents is because that's the last time they saw something this massive, right? And the 
history is written by the victors. So white people write the history books and they show us, look at how peaceful your grandparents' generation was. They skip our parents' generation because our parents' generation kind of didn't have to yeah. do it on the scat they, match They basically level. got to like ride the coattails of what their parents had done. Right. You know, so they kind of like got to cruise off of the, you know, the like right. the advances or whatever. So they didn't have, and now we're like, okay, no, nah, we got to do. So that's yeah. why a lot of people say we're not our grandparents' generation. What they really mean is we're not our parents' generation. Right. Our grandparents were lit. They were out here fucking Yo, shit up. Our grandparents were not passive, bro. Right. Like they were in. in you a, know my grandpa. Yeah. I, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like they were in these streets. And I mean, and then they still, even when they're faced with a bunch of, um, they're faced with a lot of backlash, they're faced with a lot of violence, whatever, they were still showing up in, in the streets, like, it wasn't a game. And so that's why I definitely, I'm like, and part of, okay, so that's part of what Courtney said about, like, that kind of is more so the parents, but, you know, the reference point is the grandparents. But the other piece of that is that people just don't know their history. So people, when because, like Courtney said, the victors, you know, write the history books, that's what they that's what's mostly put out there is those that you know they want to say Martin Luther King and they want to show like the, the sit-ins and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff they're not showing you the by any means necessary the you know the violent you know they're not showing that side they're not showing they're not amplifying they, they it. you do show it as a contrast look nothing right. got done right when they did it this but they're way. not amplifying that yeah or they're you know downplaying it or whatever but it's like our folks was out here. That's why I'm, I'll never be like, I'm not my ancestors. Nah, bruh. Like, they some G's. Mm -hmm. Like, we, I'm like, it's their blood running in my veins. That's why I'm about this life, you know. But a lot of it's like, folks, you know, just don't, we don't know our history. And I mean, I understand it because it's not like I always knew or whatever. This is from deliberate work right. and research and studying and doing a fellowship that basically made me feel like I came undone. Like, I was just like, it, because it was so much stuff I hadn't learned. I literally like, broke down crying because i was like i didn't know this mm -hmm. i broke down crying went went to my grandma and was like grandma like for real like all this stuff and you know she kind of gave me more context but i was just like it broke my heart like so, you know yeah, so a lot of folks don't know that history of like them being out in these streets and like for real being about their life like they just don't know there's so there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of things missing there right there's like obviously the victors write the history books so what they teach us in school is the peaceful part um mm -hmm. also the people who threw it so trauma they don't want to talk about it that part that's the second part so yeah. my it's not like my um right our um my grandparents oh uh asia said because um people who are peaceful were still very much hated like yeah as we see today right um like the, like the prime example that we always like to use like they still kill they still kill mk right. you know still i was gonna touch on that in a second but um like and i don't know about you but like my grandparents did not uh, will, uh, willingly give up this information of what they went through. That's not something they just wanted to talk about right. and sit down. Let me tell you about the time I was abused and all that. Right. That's not something. Let they me want tell to you about, about this trauma, baby girl. Right. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like there's that disconnect. There's you know, white people ain't gonna teach us. Right. They don't. So where do we get about, it from? So it's, it's weird because we do get our oral history, but they tell us about things from before them. They don't talk about their lived experience. Talk about their parents. Right. It's about <laughs> their parents, right? And so maybe my mom will tell me what grandma went through, but my grandma's not going to tell me. Um, so there's that piece. Then there's kind of um, like an MLK, in a situation with MLK. Um, I was watching a video and this guy, I don't know his name. He's on Trevor Noah. And he basically like, basically the way white people write the story is MLK died. We got our rights. Cool. We won civil rights movement. But what really happened was when they killed MLK, they killed the revolution, right? 
he was ascending, the revolution was ascending, like we were getting rights and we're moving forward. He was fighting for poor people's rights and they right. killed him. And, and they're they said, like, no, nah, we're going to have to shut that down, yeah. bro. <laughs> they yeah. killed him and said, okay, black people, you won. He's dead. Here's a little right. Shut the fuck up. Right. They killed the revolution. And so the people who came after that, once they start writing these history books, oh you guys are fine. look you got your civil rights mm-hmm. right so then we kind of and it was just enough to be comfortable because right. that in between that's when you know cue that in between generation that you're talking about right they got black just women enough, became the most educated right group in america just enough to be comfortable to where it's like okay well look but look at this person and then that's when you have like the tokenism and the but this person made it the nba integrates and you start getting all you know what i mean sports integrates and mm-hmm. now you see black faces yeah but look at this here person they start using these very individual examples mm-hmm. to like represent the whole and folks like oh well we did this and we did that and we're like right. but we still have and it wasn't you know coincidental that at the time that they killed and okay that we started integrating all these other things right right so 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 just living it i'm sure it seemed like it was getting better but when you take a step back and look at the data nothing has changed right right um and so the guy was basically saying like nothing changed but for some reason everybody thinks it's better that's how they won yeah they killed the revolution so and so now that we're and when you kill that's the, that's the spirit you know? right like, that's the spirit of the people that like the revolution that that's like the fire and you put that out and now it's like you know, you yeah. have these like folks trying to like, you know, rebuild it, you know, add stuff to kind of build it back up. But it takes a lot because it took a lot to get to that point. Yeah. Well, they don't, they tell like MLK died and then they kind of ended there. They don't tell about the rioting that occurred after he died. Right. Because folks, folks turned up after he died. It wasn't like folks were just like, okay, cool. Folks were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like. Right. And we like to skip, you know, we like to skip and pretend. And selective memory. Short selective memories. And so that's basically how we got to this point. All of a sudden, white people are like, huh, for real, y'all? <laughs> yes, nigga. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So, anyways, I don't want to take too much time. I'm just saying that's kind of. Yeah. And to Asia's point, the FBI does not put a peaceful person at the top of their most wanted list. There's nothing that part. peaceful about MLK. Right. They hated his guts. He right. was a very violent agitator in their eyes. Right. Um, because it's like, he if you ain't passive, peaceful, then you are, you are a threat. Right, peaceful and people don't get arrested twenty something people, times. But people conflate peace, peace for passivity. Right, MLK wasn't passive. Like even if you're t- and even peaceful ain't the same as nonviolent. <laughs> like so, people kind of like conflate all those things. You might like, okay, it just it's very selective. Basically, I, I won't get into all that because I don't want to go into this whole long spiel. But um, it's just something that like folks. We, we have to like learn more about because it's a lot of our history that we don't know we're not taught and we have to like find you know those people who are actually willing to share that information with us so that we can learn more you know like the, i saw recently um angela davis had did like a um a, kind of like a poster or video or whatever where she was just kind of like giving her insight and stuff like that we have people out there who can give us that information and we just have to um reach out to them um and you know, honor them and all that kind of stuff because yeah, there's so much that we don't know. And when I did that fellowship and I was on it, like, it blew my mind. Cause there's just so much stuff I didn't know. Like even about like the riots after MLK, but like that's when I learned that. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was in my twenties, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I went through all this time not knowing that. And a lot of folks still don't know. And you think you know? about, sorry, last point, um, 
shut up. You think about like the world that we live in now, we have social media, we have 24 hour news cycles. Think about how easy it was to keep information from people back then. Right. So there were probably probably a lot of black people who didn't know things simply because of the way information was spread right. at that time. So it's easier to keep things separated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's that's easier why to we're make surgeons now because right. of the how easy it is to disseminate information now. That is like the the prime thing that's happening now. Stuff just spread, and it's still stuff that people don't know. There's still like these are just things that we become privy to. There's still instances that happen that we still don't know about, mm-hmm. but information so widespread. But back then it was a lot less so. Mm-hmm. So just imagine, you know. Yeah. yeah, people just something that not even related to this, but how people forgot there was a pandemic during Woodstock. And I'm asking, like, mm-hmm. how the hell did y'all forget that? Yeah, legit. it's just like. I, I don't know. It's like, this is something we'll never forget. Right. I feel like. And for the, for the Woodstock, oh my God. I'm sorry. One more thing. So, John Oliver. I don't know if anybody watches John Oliver. He's hilarious. Um, he was talking about the summer of 1967 or 68 and how black people were being brutalized in the street and how horrible it was for us, right? When did MLK die? Was it 67 or 68? Mm-hmm. I think 68. 68. Like, it was horrible, right? Horrible. Blood and street. We're getting attacked by dogs, water hoses, right? Terrible for us. And when you look up that year in the history books, Google it, there's just that year. It's described as the summer of love. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So he's so what's that? just like, just think about like the disconnect 68. Just think about the disconnect. Yeah. The disconnect and the manipulation of the history. You know? Manipulation of the history and the media. But if think about white people, you ask a white person who's the same age as a black person, from the who lived in those same years, what was your life like during the? Oh, baby, it was the summer of free love, love, free and, love, you know, and hippie, peace and, and, yeah. and it's so weird because we see those images, and for me, I've never made the connection that that was the right. same fucking year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it, it, that that was at the same in time. in the same country in the same year that these yeah. people. Because when I think of the sixties, I do think of civil rights, and I do think of like love and peace and free, and I, but I never Honestly, put it thought, together. I actually associated associated that with the seventies. I didn't yeah. realize it was the 60s because 70s is what I think of like hippies, hippies and free yeah, love yeah. and kind of like roller skating and shit. I don't know yeah. that's what's in my mind, but because the 60s, I think civil rights. So I never like, you know, but that's that juxtapositioning that's happening. Like, like I was talking about earlier, living two different realities, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm like, how are you going to be my ally? Like, bruh, your, your parents, a different reality. Like, look at what, you know, my grandmother and yogurt like bro, different realities yeah, generation and generation of yeah. different realities so and he was just um, thinking like he just said something along the lines like you know i i shudder to think what they're going to call the summer of 20 but white people are going to call it in 20 years from now right what are right. they going to remember this summer as right. compared to what black people remember this summer as right um i it, mean it's yeah i mean but part of it too is since we have covid you know they they were in a pandemic yeah that's but i mean but if we don't have a comparable thing because they should have been you know like we didn't have a comparable like you know thing. yeah maybe um, if they still had like coachella and all kind of stuff they would just remember that but um, yeah because it's been i, 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 I know I this is very long so and we're losing light and i don't yeah it's just time to end it <laughs> honestly i mean i gotta get this to i gotta get this to um charmaine and i know it's long as hell and i just apologize in advance. black lives matter so yeah. That's all I got to say. All Black Lives Matter. All Black Lives Matter. All Black Lives Matter. Every last one of them Black Lives. Like, 
I'm gonna need like I just I want for my black trans sisters to stop being fucking slaughtered. Here, here, it's ridiculous. Like it's so ridiculous. I want for black women's names to be uplifted with the same gusto <laughs> as black men. But yeah, gusto. so that's why yeah, all all black lives matter, all of them, every last one of them. And those main ones that are being minimized are the ones that's showing up just like we talked about showing up for dudes who want to show up first that's the same thing you know that's the same thing black queer folks are doing and black trans women are doing and all that and we got to protect each other like we are literally all we got so all right y'all so that's it for this episode who knows how long this gonna be i'm i'm scared to even look at the time um, we shall see. <laughs> Asia said it's going to be called the summer we couldn't go to Whole Foods without a mask. <laughs> I think my sister's right. The summer we couldn't go to Whole Foods without a mask. Yeah, they're gonna, it's going to be like the summer of the mask protest. That's probably what it'll be for them because they were out in these streets protesting about, we want to go to the gym, exercising in front of the damn gym in the street, not wearing a mask because they can't go in the gym. But okay, we're supposed to be done for real though. All right, y'all. So thank you for tuning in. You know, I'm back or whatever for another season yeah um i thank you thank you courtney for joining me something that will happen is like you know moving forward well definitely at least for this season and i have to you know check in with her see how she feels but for about every other episode courtney will be joining me so i'll kind of do be alternating and then i'll also be i'm doing some solo stuff so yeah because that's what the people listen to they listen to us and they listen to me (laughs) so i'm like that's that's what the stats say all right y'all so thank you for tuning in that's it that's all i got and we're gonna go ahead and end this thing thanks bye y'all bye Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javi Nicole. BRQ is produced and edited by Charmaine Fury, and the show's theme music was created by The Brothers Records. You can connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at Black Rat Queer. That's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. You can also connect with us on Facebook through the Black Radical Queer Podcast Facebook fan page or the BRQ discussion group. You can get Black Rat Queer merch on teespring.com slash blackratqueer, B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. And you can leave a voicemail, call in, ask a question, those types of things on the BRQ Google Voice line. And that number is 937-601-8647. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.